we do it. We want people like you just to put a smile on your face, even if it's for a minute clip on our Instagram or reading our blog for five minutes. It's just something there that we're happy to do. Welcome to another episode of the Thriving Over Surviving podcast, where we discuss the ups and downs of our autoimmune diagnoses, but ultimately how we thrive in spite of it. I'm your host, Edie Sahesian. I was diagnosed in 2015 with multiple sclerosis. I've learned a lot about MS in myself over the past few years, but the most important thing I realize is that I am going to live my best life. MS and other autoimmune diseases tend to be a bit of a bummer if we let them. So why not battle back by finding our joy? I'm sure you've heard about the possible, probable genetic links when it comes to MS. Did you know, though, that identical twins have a one in four or five chance in also developing multiple sclerosis? Well, my guest today does. So we're going to chat it up with Terry Horde, a.k.a. Twins Coast to Coast. Hey, Terry, how are you today? I'm doing well. Doing well. Wonderful. And we want to not miss Tamara. Tamara Khan is not able to be with us today. Yes, but she will be with us another day. So, because they are the twins coast to coast. So I first discovered Terry and Tamara many, many years ago. What is that called? Facebook. Yeah, I should know what that is on Facebook because they have these amazing adventures. And actually, it's so funny because I never thought I would get to chat with them on the show. And I'm just so flattered and excited. So thank you for being here today. Well, Edie, we are so happy to be here and we love your show. And it's it's fun. So these ladies are thrivers and we're going to listen and find out why. So Terry, would you please share your diagnosis story with us? Sure. So I was diagnosed in 1996. I was the first twin to be diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. And about two years later, Tamara was diagnosed. So we both had symptoms that were very similar to each other. That began in our young teens, about 13 years old, we noticed our first symptom and they were just like tingling in our legs after exercise or pain in our feet after we would come out of a dance class. And we just thought we're young, maybe they're growing pains, maybe they're just over exercise. So we just kind of ignored it for many, many years. Our mom had terminal cancer and was diagnosed when we were 13 years old. Whether or not that kind of was parallel to one another, I don't know. But she passed away when we were 24. And we, I just noticed immediately that my eyes were blurry. And I had no idea. I thought maybe it was just her dying and it was just a just a reaction. So I went to multiple doctors and back in 1992, it doesn't seem that long ago, but for MS and the knowledge of people knowing about MS, it does matter. 25 years later, if we came to them at age 24, or maybe even at age 13, they would have done a workup for multiple sclerosis. But 
they did not. So I went about probably, well, I went two years undiagnosed and then I got married and I'm like, oh, I don't need to follow up on this anymore. Life is starting for me and I'll just move forward with no symptoms at that time. And I got pregnant with my first daughter, delivered her in 1995 in July. And afterwards, I went into a big episode. So I'm like, huh, what's going on? Same thing, another episode of optic neuritis and tingling in my hands and feet. Again, I researched it again, went to a couple of doctors, and finally, they decided to do a spinal tap only because my dad's neighbor said, so Terry really should see a neurologist. I think she might have MS because of her optic neuritis. And that's why I followed up with a neurologist, had my spinal tap, and it confirmed that indeed I had MS. So at the time, I just kind of just, you know, didn't think too much about it. I saw a wonderful doctor here in Atlanta, Georgia, and he's wonderful. He's like my second father. He's at the MS Center of Atlanta, and he's just so brilliant. So, so, so fortunate. That was a little bit about my diagnosis, and I started treatment from that point forward. And again, treatment for me, 1995, I was so lucky because there was Avonex that just came out in 1995. So I was able to start that and did pretty well for a few years. Wonder. Well, okay. So from what you just said, <laughs> 1995 was the year I graduated from high school. So I'm just thinking at that time, the internet was like just starting. That's right. There was no Google. It wasn't like you could just look at symptoms to see what you had. And yes, I mean, cell phones really weren't even, I mean, they were out there. You had the car phones that you had, right? With the little yes. microphone at the top and they worked sometimes and didn't work other times. But we really didn't have the plethora of information that we have now where you can just Google symptoms, whether that I mean that's a good thing and bad thing. But for us, it was, I was happy-go-lucky because I couldn't look up what does 25 years later look like for somebody with MS? After you started the Avonex, did your symptoms subside at that point? So they really did not. I went in and out of episodes. So I was diagnosed with relapsing remitting MS. I would have maybe two to three episodes a year of optic neuritis. And that was my main, main issue at the very beginning. So I would go on Sajamedrol. Back then, they did them for five days, about one gram at a time, versus three days. Now they know a little bit more about it. And it wasn't so fun. Going on the, the steroids, as anybody knows of high-dose steroids, they make you crazy. They don't make you feel well. And I have a very patient husband who dealt with all my crazy during that time. And yes, so... I had Avonex and steroids, and what was a blessing, I was approved in year 2000 to begin in January of 2001, the Tasabri study, and I took a chance. I didn't know if I would be on the placebo or actually on the medication, but I was so fortunate that I actually was on the medication. I was patient number 004, 
I said to my my husband one day, I said, either it's all in my mind because I'm, I'm either a really good placebo gal or I'm actually getting better and I don't feel the symptoms like I did prior to starting Tasabri. So I was very fortunate that Tasabri for me was awesome. I am so happy to hear that. Yes. So you said that Tamara was diagnosed two years after. Was it easier because you had been already diagnosed? How did that work for her? Well, it was easier, easier for her. She started to have similar symptoms of optic neuritis. And she had um, just had her first daughter and had similar symptoms. And she was like, uh-oh, I may have MS. She didn't say anything to me. She had an MRI, and it showed that she had MS. And her husband is a radiologist, and he, he was the one who read the report. And when Tamara walked into his office, she knew the answer because he had that look of despair, like, yes, you also have MS. And, you know, I, I was sad for her at the time because I knew – our journeys were beginning together and I did not want her to have a chronic illness. And, but hence we had a, a partner forever that we could share our stories and symptoms with. And that's been a wonderful thing. Having a twin living through mirror image symptoms, meaning mirrored image of people don't know out there Mirror images that I'm a lefty, she's a, I'm left-handed, she's right-handed, our symptoms mirrored one another. So my strong side was my left side, her weak side's her left side. So all of our symptoms just mirrored one another. And we always tease each other. If we can just have one good body, take the bad from <laughs> each of us and put one together, we'd be really good. Not so much these days, the last probably six months to a year, our MS progression has been quite a bit. And I don't really have a good side anymore. She still kind of does. But for years, it was so funny to see her use a cane on one side and I would use it on the other. It was cute. And then we, at least we could share some things together and we were a good support for one another. Yeah. I mean, if you have to have MS, it's kind of nice that you had such a close person to you to share all that with. And you know, obviously sharing the successes of when you're doing well too. Definitely. I mean, the successes are the best because we know each other so well. Unfortunately, I'm on the East Coast in Atlanta, Georgia. She's in the San Francisco Bay Area. So not seeing one another was hard because we're so used to being together all the time. But as the years went on, we got used to each other being on different coasts. We talk every day. Now that we have cell phones, we text every day and FaceTime. So that's just so much fun. And so sharing those moments or seeing each other, we can say, you don't look like you feel good today. You know, no. Versus back 25 years ago, you couldn't see each other through the computer or through FaceTime on the telephone or what have you. 
Yeah, it is pretty special. My my friend Melissa, who actually was my first episode, she has a twin, and they she does not have MS. They're not identical twins either. You know, she's a huge, huge supporter of Melissa, obviously. They do the bike MS together and things. It, it's a totally different experience when you have that person that's so close to you sharing in it. It is. It doesn't matter if it's a a twin or a sibling or a family member that could be a relative, a cousin, grandparent, or what have you, or it could just be your best friend that you met at the MS Center or what have you that you can share those special bonds with because having somebody that you can talk to is super important. I 100% agree with you. It's been a long time that you've been experiencing this MS. I'm sure you've had some fabulous moments along the way. What is your proudest accomplishment? Well, my proudest accomplishments are having my two daughters that are aged 26 and 22. Those that, I mean, that is loving. I love being a mom. My second proudest joy is that I've been able to work through the years owning my own company. I had a building company. My parents were developers and builders and I did build back in my early days for about 15 years. I can say I was very happy to do that, and I volunteered. There wasn't a moment that I didn't stop volunteering for my children, whether it was from preschool to middle school, high school, dance, theater, all that that my girls did. I was right there with that mom. So I'm very proud of that accomplishment. And now Tamara and I have such a joy of spreading awareness through twins coast to coast. So I can't really say my proudest moment in joy is my, are my daughters, but there are many other proud moments in my life. So how did twins coast to coast get started? So Tamara and I do not like to stay still. We like to keep going all the time. And we challenged ourselves a couple of years ago, we were bored. And we said, what are we going to do to spread awareness? Because again, volunteering and giving back is one of our, our greatest stories in life. And we really wanted to give back. And that's how Twins Coast to Coast started. It was meant to spread joy, to answer questions for others living with chronic illnesses, and to support one another. It was, it was just going to be something for fun, but it's turned into a wonderful outlet for us. Absolutely it has. And it helped me when I first was diagnosed for sure. I just saw you guys. I'm like, these ladies are thriving. This is so great. Oh, thank you. Well, that's why we do it. We want people like you just, you know, to put a smile on your face, even if it's for a minute clip on our Instagram or reading our blog for five minutes. It's just, something there that we're happy to do. And like I said, we were bored and we did this out of really wanting to spread good word. That's awesome. That, yeah. It, you can tell that's, that's your whole um, gist of it is just to help others. And I, I thank you for that. So my other question is, do you have any advice for moms that either are newly diagnosed or just having MS along the way. Any advice for them that you've learned and can pass on to them? 
there's so many things. One is today to be newly diagnosed means something totally different than when Tamara and I were diagnosed. Future is so bright that I tell all of these young mommies that are diagnosed because they're scared and they're going from something that they know is going to be there forever. It's a chronic illness. And there's so many wonderful research projects going on. And I think one day they're going to find something that's going to regenerate these nerves and and myelin to give us all a second chance in life. Maybe not so much for me, but for your generation and the generations of coming up. But telling these moms that they've got this, that they, if they set their minds to it, they just need to move forward and not dwell too much on symptoms because early on symptoms can be all over the place. They can be You can have a big flare and go, oh my word, is this what my life is going to be like? Am I always going to be in pain or am I always going to stumble and hobble? The answer may be yes, but most likely it's an episode you're going through and you just need to get the inflammation settled down and you will feel better. And that's what I encourage all these newly diagnosed folks that you can do this. You can keep living a normal life and you can raise your families just as you did yesterday before your diagnosis. So you just have this really positive mindset. What brings you joy? How do you maintain that positive mindset all the time? So what brings us joy are close family. We both are married to lovely, supportive husbands. And I think If we didn't have our husbands that were so nurturing and so supportive, I think that finding joy would be really difficult because having that network, yes, Tamara and I are living with MS, we support each other, but if you don't have joy at home and you don't have a supportive family, whether it's a parent, your children, or what have you, you're not going to feel joy on a daily basis. So I think that gives us a lot of hope, a lot of promise. And I would say that's one of the number ones. I love that. So I'm super jelly. And for all the single ladies out there, or this hand, I'm I'm shaking the right hand. It's the left one, right? Right. All the single ladies out there, we're looking. I I want that supportive man. So send him on over this way. Yes. And there is, I tell all my, my friends who are single, that there is a guy out there for you. And so many of my friends are like, but I have a chronic illness. And I'm like, it doesn't matter. You find that right guy, that guy's going to stick with you because my husband knew something was wrong with me. He's, you know, we know, have known each other since I was 23 years old and he didn't leave me. He didn't say, oh, you know, I'm not going to walk through life with you because you have MS. Now, I mean, don't don't get me wrong. We've gone through our highs and lows where when I'm on steroids, he will look at me like, really? You know, can I have a break today? You know, and I'll be like all crazy. But, you know, for the most part, he's been pretty supportive. Yeah, that's really great. I know, Terry, so 
when I was first diagnosed, I was like, how am I supposed to tell people that I have a, like a guy that I'm dating? Well, by the way, cause I can't get serious with him unless he knows that's not fair to him. Right. Yeah. And for the most part, you can't tell I have MS just walking around. So yeah, there was a, a little bit of a transition there when I was dating people. And I've found that Telling people has gotten easier and easier, maybe because of the practice. Not that I'm dating a million people. It's not like that. But I do have to say that when I do tell people, they're either like, oh, okay, yeah, my aunt has that, whatever. Right. Or they have questions and I answer them. And no, I've never gotten turned away from a guy from telling him I have MS. It must be something else. <laughs> You know, it's like anything else, right? You could be normally healthy, date somebody, and it just, you know, doesn't go the way you both thought it would go when you first started dating one another. So it's not always the disease. It's just whatever it may be that you're not compatible with that person with. So it is funny. But yes, I wouldn't be afraid to tell them. And I have many friends. In fact, one of my really dear friends, just got married a couple, oh, I guess it was two weeks ago. So she's saying she was married before and then she just got remarried and and she's had MS now for quite a while. Her husband's great. He's understanding. He knows what MS looks like. And Good guy. Bless those men, I'm telling you. It's okay. lovely that you have them for sure. Do you um, have any tips? Well, I mean, you've provided so many already, I'm telling yeah. you. But do you have any specific tips that you'd like to share with the audience today? Well, it just depends on where people are on their journey. So I am a um, trustee. I'm on the board of trustees for the Georgia National MS Society. And you get different questions all the time. I mean, I get questions, when is the next new study or next new drug you've heard about? Sometimes I'll get to hear about research before other people will hear about research. I have a friend that's on the board that's part of the research committee, and I always get to hear a little bit about what's going on before even our board meeting, so that's kind of fun. So tips are um, to ask questions, not to be afraid to ask others that are living with a chronic illness and how they deal with it, how they go through life on a daily basis. Because when you're in your 20s, you may look the same at 30, but you may not look the same between 30 and 40. Ask questions. I mean, now that we're in our 50s, like my grandmother always said, since we didn't have our mom as we were growing up, my grandmother would say, and I would be in my late 30s, she goes, I know a little bit more than you do. And you're not always right, little girl. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm 38 years old. I think I know what I'm doing. And you look back and go, you know what? She was right. So ask people who have lived with the disease of whatever you're experiencing, the multiple sclerosis, and, and listen to them because they've lived with it for a little bit longer. And they may have that epiphany moment of like, you know what? I need to go ask my internist about this flu shot, maybe I shouldn't get it at Walgreens. Maybe they would suggest me having the higher dose of flu shot because I have an autoimmune, you know, issue and that my medication brings my immune system down. So maybe I need that extra boost. So, you know, there's so many things that you can ask 
and it's just helpful. So yes, that's just one little tip. That is a really great tip. So I've seen you and your sister, Tamara, do some incredible things on social media. And one thing I wanted to ask you about, I, I, this is like burning in my mind. I've seen you guys go to the ocean, or I, I believe it's the ocean, and you have these chairs with big gray wheels on them to be able to go out and partake in, in the event. So can you tell us about those chairs? Sure. They're amazing. So when we go, that was in Mexico where you saw me at this same resort, that most larger areas, it doesn't matter if you're in the United States or abroad, they will have handicapped wheelchairs specifically for the beach so that, you know, I can't take my wheelchair or camera scooter and we can't just have the little wheels go across the sand. We'll just stop immediately. But these fat, you know, rubbery looking wheels are fantastic. And my husband pushes me anyway, down to the ocean, and we just are able to put our feet in the water. And Tamara and I grew up in Florida, and we were water babies. And that's one thing that is still so awesome to be able to put your toes in the water and enjoy life a little bit. Because that was one thing that I thought, oh my words, I'm in a wheelchair and I still love to swim, still love the ocean. How am I going to manage that? And so fortunate that if you're in a big city, I mean, you're not going to find these big wheelchairs in a small little beach town. But if you go like to Tampa, Florida, Miami, Florida, larger beach resorts all over the world, they will have them. It's pretty great. And you found a way to do that and enjoy something that you love. And yes. I, I, I think that that's fabulous. And I thought you were pretty cool looking right on that thing. Thank you. It was such a fun day. I live in Florida, so you're just going to have to come down and visit me too. Yes, where are you? I'm in Orlando, actually. I love Orlando. That's great. Where are you from originally? Well, from Tampa. So I was born in the um, St. Petersburg area, and Tamara and I finished our high school years in the Tampa Bay area, went to University of Florida. My parents moved actually to Longwood outside of Orlando. Yes, so, and yes, then, and you're a Gator. I know a lot of people, you know, down here, it's like you have to be involved in college sports. That's it, right? And still <laughs> to this day, my husband and daughter went to Vanderbilt. They're still in the SEC and big rivals, right? I mean, Vanderbilt, they don't ever have a good football team. They have other good sports like basketball some years and really good in baseball, but it's just kind of fun. That just SEC rivalry. See, I knew you'd know what I was talking about. Yeah, <laughs> That's great. So where is your favorite place on earth and what's its significance to you? Okay. I would say one of my favorite places, oh goodness, just one single place I would say is the San Francisco Bay Area. There is nothing coming over from the Oakland side of the bay, across the Bay Bridge, and looking out over into the downtown area of San Francisco that's sitting on a hill and this gorgeous, gorgeous like waterway in Alcatraz. I would say that is probably my, one of my favorite places, and I've been all over the world, but if you have to pick a place in the United States, 
and a place that is a happy place for both Tamara and I, I would say San Francisco. All right, I'm putting it on my list because of the twins coast to coast. It's on there now. <laughs> and Tamara lives there, right? And Tamara lives in the Bay Area, yes. Excellent. Yes. So you have reasons to go. She's in San, um, Santa Cruz now, which is only about an hour and 15 minutes south. But she used to live in Alamo, which is just over the Bay Bridge outside of San Francisco. Well, Terry, I got to say, you did not disappoint. In fact, you have exceeded my expectations oh. of wonderfulness. Oh, thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much for being on. Okay, so we want to tell um, the listeners where to find you because you're going to want to reach out and, and learn all about your adventures. Awesome. Our Instagram is Twins Coast, the number two coast. And our website is Twins Coast, same thing, number two coast. Our Facebook is Twins Coast, two, T-O coast. And I know a little bit of our handles are a little bit different. And you're always welcome to email us at, we're at uh, Twins Coast, the number two coast at gmail.com. And we are available anytime. And I am on LinkedIn as Terry Horde. And of course, my little logo on top has our Twins Coast to Coast logo. Which is so cute. Yeah. I love that little logo. We also have masks and we also have t-shirts. And 100% of the proceeds go to the Georgia National MS Society. I can't thank you enough. And please give Tamara our best. And we will have you both on next time. That sounds perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Thriving Over Surviving podcast. If you would like to join our growing community of thrivers, there are a lot of ways to do so. Visit the website at thrivingoversurvivingpodcast.com. There you'll find links to all our social media, my blog, and lots more. See you next time when we chat it up with another autoimmune warrior on the Thriving Over Surviving Podcast. Keep thriving. Thriving.